You may be seated. Now our attention to this verse in John chapter 16, verse 33, this happens. This statement of Jesus comes on the night that he was betrayed and he was with his disciples, sharing with them about his cross and the coming of the Holy Spirit and their lives. John 16, 33, and Jesus said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the, wor- the, the world. Now Jesus was quite aware that peace was in his job description. Uh, he knew that he was the one who had authority over it. He is the one who could grant it. Uh, he spoke of it. From time to time, for instance, in this same Gospel of John, in John chapter 14 and verse 27, again, this same night, a bit earlier, Jesus said to them, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So Jesus is telling them, I want you not to be afraid Rather, I want you to have peace. And then, of course, the statement I read a minute ago that he had told them all that he had told them that they might have peace, even though in the world they would have a tribulation. And then finally in John in chapter 20, this is after the crucifixion and after the resurrection of Jesus, he meets with his disciples. And in verse 19... On the evening of that day, that is the day that Jesus rose, the first day of the week, the doors were being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, so they were afraid. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. You see, this one who is the Prince of Peace is the one who who rules over this peace. By that I mean, again, as I said, he's the one who has the authority to give it. So he can actually say, Peace be to you, and peace is to be, in fact, uh, received. So he's the Prince of Peace, again, we look around and we say, but, 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 but when will this peace come, really? And how will it come and to what extent? I mean, there's still wars among nations. There's still rumors of wars. There's all kinds of things that can come into our lives to unsettle us. Famines and earthquakes and tornadoes and tsunamis and all the like. There's illness still that we face. There's death that we face. There's, there's unemployment <clears throat> that we face. There's difficulties in relationships that we face, all to bring us anxiety. And so we, we suffer because we don't have this, this peace within. So there's difficulties among nations. There are difficulties among people. There's difficulties even in the context of church life. Uh, there's difficulties within. So the question is, when and to what extent Will this peace really come? And how does it come? 
And when Jesus looks at his disciples, and thus us as well, and he says, peace be with you, what does he mean? What really should we know of that? And to what extent should we really know it? Well, of course, Jesus was quite aware of all that was going to happen and all that would come. And, and, and he knew that there would be, in some sense, peace delayed because the ultimate peace, the peace among nations and all of that, the peace on earth that would be global on the whole earth was, was going to come. He had made peace, reconciled people to God, but yet he knew that there was still more. There was still life to live before this second coming when all of this peace would be consummated. In Matthew in chapter 24, as he's speaking to his disciples, he speaks of them, of, of, of the very tribulation that he spoke of. When he said, I give you peace in the world, you're going to have tribulation. But I've overcome the world, thus you can have peace. And I want to say, Jesus will take away the tribulation. I'd be much happier. Life would be much better. So what's really going on? So as he sat with his disciples he, in, in Matthew 24, as we read it, verse 4, he says, as he speaks of the end of the age, he says, see that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ, and they'll lead many astray. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you're not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pangs. They will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So he says, peace to you, but realize there's real trouble yet. There's real tribulation in the world. Now, Jesus had, had prepped them in other ways, too. He would tell parables. I call them delay parables. He would talk about the master who was going away and coming back. He would talk about the bridegroom that was delayed, but yet when he comes, would his attendants be ready for him? He would speak of the master who would, who would go away, but, but would leave with his servants various talents, if you will, certain amounts of money, and then he'd return. And so all of this, he continued to say, will you be ready? Will you be ready? You, will you be ready when, when I return? And so you get this sense, yes, of course, he would be, in fact, delayed, that there is a certain peace now and a certain consummation and a certain fulfillment of that peace which, which is to come. Uh, in Acts chapter 1, after the resurrection of Jesus, before the ascension of Jesus, you might remember the disciples had a question for Jesus. And they said to him this, I really to ask him, they, they asked, uh, is the kingdom now going to be restored to Israel? And Jesus kind of ignored that question. And he went on to simply say, stay in Jerusalem because you'll be endued with power by the Holy Spirit and then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, he's saying you'll be my witnesses here, there, and everywhere. And, and so you get the sense 
that it wasn't all done then in the sense that his kingdom would come in all its glory over the whole earth. That he was going away, just like he had said in his parables, and he was going to come back. And in the midst of this world, there'd be tribulation. But he said to his disciples, he says to us, still in the midst of that, there's peace because I'm the prince of peace and I, I give it to you. So the question is this. How do we receive that peace? How do we get that? And what does that really mean? Well, receive that peace, if you will, by faith. And when I say by faith, I don't mean to say at all that this peace isn't real. Oh, it's real. And I don't mean to say by faith that it's kind of mind over matter. You know, if you don't mind, it don't matter, right? Isn't that what that means? It isn't, it isn't the power of positive thinking, thinking positive thoughts, you see. It's thinking right thoughts, true thoughts, whether they're positive or not, but thinking right and true thoughts. So what Jesus is saying is, get it, understand, I've made reconciliation with God. I'm ruling and reigning. I'm the wonderful counselor. I'm the wise one. I'm the mighty God. I'm the powerful one. I'm the everlasting father. I'm the good one. And now you belong to me. That should enable you to live, if you will, in peace. Similar word in Luke in chapter 24. Again, similar to what we've just read out of John chapter 20. But notice how Luke puts it, verse 36. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they had seen a spirit. And when he said to them, Why are you troubled? Now, I don't know, frankly, that I've ever heard the voice of God audibly. But I think if he did speak to me, he would probably say, Bill, why are you troubled? I think that would probably be the first thing he'd say. Maybe good morning, I don't know. But, but I think he'd say, Bill, why, why are you troubled? And, and why, do you, why do doubts arise in your hearts? And then Jesus, he gives them the reason they shouldn't be troubled. He said, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself touch me. See, for a spirit does, doesn't have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said that, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy, they were marveling. And he said to them, have you anything to eat? And so he simply proved that he was alive, that he was alive. And you see, since I'm alive, you, you shouldn't be troubled. You should trust me because I am indeed the wise one, the powerful one, the good one, the one who rules and reigns. And I rule and reign over peace. So, so trust me in the midst of whatever is really is really happening. And so you see, after that, Jesus ascended to rule and reign over this peace to make certain that, that everyone for whom he died, everyone who would believe, would be, in fact, recipients of this, of this peace. First, peace with God, and then ultimately this sense of peace within. Why? Because they know that he rules and reigns, and that he knows he's the wise one and the powerful one and the good one, the everlasting Father. He says, don't, don't be troubled. I, I know there's tribulation in the world, what I really love about the, 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 the John passage where, where Jesus says to them, again, peace be with you. And, and right after he says, peace be with you, the second time, he says, 
as the Father has sent me, so I have sent you. Now, Jesus had declared before that he had been sent as a lamb among the wolves. You know what wolves call lambs? Lunch, right? Well, that's what they call them. And he said, but, but don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Because why? I am with you. That I am is huge. Capital I am. God in the flesh, I am. I am with you. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. And you see, as those who trust in him, we have this Holy Spirit within us. This one Jesus said, oh, I'm going away, but I'll send my spirit and he will live in you and he'll reveal everything that you need from me. In fact, it's this very Holy Spirit the Apostle Paul writes about in Romans in chapter 8, verse 16. And he says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So he's saying, listen, the Holy Spirit lives with us. And all the time, he's telling us, we belong to God. You belong to God. As a believer in Jesus, you belong to him. So, so, so have this peace. Now, the question is, how does he bear witness to us? How does that really work? I don't know. He's at work within us. Oh, yes, he works by his spirit. So when, I'm sorry, by his word. So that when we read the scripture, we go, oh, yes, I believe that. And, and he brings peace to us. And yes, we know that even as we pray, as we cast our troubles upon him, he brings peace to us. For instance, in, in Philippians, in, in, in chapter 4, in verse 4, the apostle writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You see, there's something about laying it out before God that brings peace to us. Even before we see any of that answered. If you wonder why that is, there's something you see about the way that we're made that when we actually lay it out so we don't bottle it up, we actually lay it out before God. However it comes out, we lay it out before God. There's something within us that says, oh, whew, I know that God knows about this. And I know that I belong to him. And I know that he's wise. He'll know what to do. I know that it's pow he's powerful. He'll be able to do it. And I know that he's good, and therefore he'll want to do it. And I know he's the prince of peace, so I know he's ruling and reigning over all of this. So, so he, he can do this. He can, he can, he can rule over everything. Whew. So even if the problem remains, we know that it remains because the one who is wise, the one who is powerful, the one who is good, the one who is ruling and reigning isn't kept from solving it, stopping it. But he has it there for our good. And we can relax and have peace.
We're to be peacemakers then, as those who've been recipients of this peace. We're to be peacemakers. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. That is, they shall be like God in the sense that they'll resemble him as a son resembles a father. They'll resemble him because Jesus came and made peace. And we can't make peace like he does. That is to say, we're not the atoning sacrifice for anyone. But as we are sent with this message of the gospel, peace is made with God. And we're to live at peace with each other. You know, there'll come a day when everything that bothers us about each other won't. There'll come a day when every, anything that makes us angry with each other won't. There'll come a day when every, anything that would make us jealous or envious or put anything between us won't. Now, generally, I think that will be true because you'll finally shape up And you think, well, that'll be true because all these other people will stop bothering me because they'll be perfect, finally. <laughs> it won't be that at all. Oh, they'll be perfect, and you will too, in the presence of the Lord. But what will happen, I think, in the very presence of the Lord, that we will be so humbled and we'll recognize our own spiritual bankruptcy before God that all our pride and self-righteousness will be washed away. Because you see, it's generally our pride and self-righteousness that causes us to be judged, to judge one another, and even to be hurt by one another. The peace that comes now is that we should be thus humbled. And so, peace with God. And we recognize how that came because someone took our sin upon himself the undeserving one for the one who deserved it. And we realize that we were the ones who deserved it, but the undeserving one took it. That should humble us in such a degree that, you see, all of our self-righteousness should fly out the window and we should be humbled before him and be at peace. Forgiven, forgive. Recipients of mercy, be merciful. Please stand to sing.